Okay. ATF Accountability Act of 2021. Is that a law some Republican introduced that's never going to pass? I'm sure. Yeah, get some votes. Yeah, Dan Crenshaw. I love Dan Crenshaw. I think there's 13. Oh no, maybe 15. 12, 13, 14, 15, according to 15. These, these people. But Tennessee just passed something. I thought that we were. Well, you guys are getting more liberal too. Well, you know, Nashville is. Tennessee's not. Crazy, man. I love Nashville. They just destroy. I was there for the NRA convention. This is a fun, real quick story. Uh, back uh, last time I was in Nashville, what was it like six, five, six years ago? Yeah. And I was, I was teaching at the convention on gun law, and it was a good time. I always loved the convention in Nashville. It's always the best. They had, I think, Alan Jackson or somebody playing there right in the street. They had a big concert. And um, we're up at a cigar bar. And this this guy overhears me and my buddies talking. We're smoking cigars, drinking drinking whiskey, bourbon, and um, he's from New York, of course. And he starts just laying into me because I'm a pro gun guy. And right. you're in downtown Nashville, man. And uh, I I just I, my friend got involved and started yelling at him. I just obviously took the higher ground. But this guy's from New York, moved to Nashville, Tennessee because it's more freedom, and then wants to still vote the same way. That's the problem with these people. You it's know? crazy. They get out of their areas because they don't like them, but yet when they move to an area where they can do the things they want to do, they want to change it back to where they, you know, the laws that they had before, which is ridiculous. They're they're just like leeches, man. It's crazy. Let's see. Tennessee has become the latest state to soon allow most adults 21 and older to carry yeah. handguns without uh, first uh, clearing a background check. So. Maybe it hasn't been passed yet, but it must be getting close. Yeah, I hope they do it. I think Ohio, you'll see it within five years. You just got to get the right governor in there. Well, that's what it's all about, you know, is getting the right people in the in the seat, yeah. especially on the, you know, the local levels. Yeah, we have great general assembly. It's extremely six points for Trump in the last election, but our governor is just a liberal. Are you ready to do this? Let's think, do it. I think we're ready. I think we got yep. our ducks in a row. Yeah. All right, all right, all right, lead heads. We are back with another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. And we got a good one for you. I know you guys have really been wanting this. Anytime I have a lawyer or an attorney on, we talk about gun laws, you guys eat it up. And joining us today, we've got from the um what is it called? Munitions Law Group. There you go. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was getting you with the gun uh, uh the gun lawyer. Well, I, I use that up. term interchangeably. I, I like it. Old, it's a great tagline. It's a <laughs> trade name. And, it, and if I screw your last name up, correct me. It's Derek DeBrossi. Yeah, you screwed it up. It's DeBross. We Americanized it. DeBross. You dropped the the long e. <laughs> we dropped the Frenchism on it. The French. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Uh, welcome in Munitions Law Group. I mean, it's amply named. I love that. How did you guys come up with that name? Oh, that was a long, 
that was a long discussion with my law partner, Clay Cheshire, and myself. He runs our Louisville office and our Atlanta office. And uh, we originally were going to call it the Gun Law Group. And I, I don't know. I, had a, I just didn't think it sounded as professional as I would like. And we were going around and around. And, and he actually came up with that name. And I, I just kind of fell in love with it. I thought it made a lot of sense. Because we do more than just guns, right? We do anything in this industry. Yeah. Um, so we can handle NFA. We handle import, export. We handle knife issues. We handle... I had a guy who wanted to import tanks from England. You know, you name it, we can handle it. Anything in this industry. Did Sporting he get to do client. it? Did he get to import the tanks? Um, it was a while back. If I remember correctly, I believe he was able to do it, and I can't remember how. Nice. Um, guy, the guy was well-connected. Leave it at that. So I mean, forget what, what you know, historically people say the American dream is. It's to own a tank. <laughs> I think Arnold Schwarzenegger has a tank. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger has a tank from one of his movies, actually. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt yeah. that he has a couple of tanks. <laughs> well, I'm in the, uh, I used to be a gen- uh, general counsel, if you will. It's called Judge Advocate for the American Legion Department of Ohio. And I always dreamed that maybe they'll just give me one of those tanks in the front lawn. Right. I mean, even if it doesn't <laughs> operate, just to have right, a tank right. sitting in your driveway, you yeah. know, is, is awesome. I got to go to Poland uh, not too long ago. And uh, mm-hmm. I got to, to mess around and drive around and, and sh- actually shoot a, shoot a tank. Oh, that's cool. I never shot one. I was in the army. I slept in one a few times, but didn't get to shoot them. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Every yeah, time doing that. Uh, look forward to going back there if you ever get a chance to go. You know, over to to Poland. Great people over there too. Great yeah. food. I love to eat. Yeah, I've never been there. I've been to Cambodia. I've been to the Middle East with my time in the military. Cambodia was great. You can pretty much do whatever you want over there too. With, yeah. If you have enough money, you want to shoot a bazooka, it's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you got to do that anyway, being in the... Oh, the army. Yeah, I got to do army. all that. I actually manned the uh, M249 and the Ma Deuce when I was in Iraq. So, And we're going to um, find out more about Derek and his background as we uh, get into this this interview. Uh, but first, we got to thank all those that make this show possible. Uh, our good friends at Keltec Weapons. Make sure you go show Chad and Matt and uh, George Kelgren, the the owner over there, some love. Uh, very innovative company. This is their thirtieth anniversary, I believe. This year they're su- celebrating their thirtieth anniversary of uh, innovating the firearms industry. And uh, we made a big announcement last couple of episodes. Keltec is going to be hosting us at the NRA this year in Houston. You guys going to be going to Houston? We are uh, planning on it. We were planning on going. It was supposed to be Nashville last year, right? It was. I'm bummed about that. Yeah, Yeah, I was was looking forward to that. that. Been to second. Yeah, that was our second one. Yeah, Yeah. the first one. I guess I told you earlier off air. I I actually taught at the uh, legal seminar um, as a guest speaker, but uh, I was really looking forward to going back. I love Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. Nashville's a great town. Houston should be fun too. Should be a good time. As long as we don't get hurricanes. Right. I was down there for the last time they had it at Houston. It was nice. It was a good time. Yeah, it was. It was a real good time. I enjoyed it there, too. Uh, so Keltec will be hosting the LED quarters. We're going to be uh, set up there doing interviews, bringing you all the the latest and greatest, what's going on there at NRA from uh, Keltec and uh, all the companies. So if you guys are going to be there, Derek, stop by. would love to okay. love to have you. So you'll be at the Keltec booth? Yep. We'll be set up with the LED quarters at the, the Keltec booth. I don't know what the number is yet, but... Okay. You can't miss Celtic. Yeah, I'll put it on my calendar. Uh, as it gets closer to time, we'll be putting out uh, social media posts and uh, letting everybody know who's going to be there and where you can uh, stop by. It's in and September this year, right? It is September. It's like the first part of September. Yeah, it's usually in the spring, so that's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Is that hurricane season? September? I have no idea. 
I don't know. I think it's always hurricane season in Houston. <laughs> Could be. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but go show go show them some love. Uh, the best thing that you can do is uh, go to their social medias, drop them a little thank you, let them know how much you appreciate them making this show possible. Uh, they've been behind uh, our show pretty much since we started, almost 10 years ago. They've been uh, involved with us somehow, some way in uh, supporting the Talking Lead podcast. And we are coming up on our 10 years. It'll be 10 years this December uh, that we've been doing the Talking Lead podcast. So thank you, Leadheads, for all your support. Spread the word, and let's grow that Leadhead Brigade. Uh, I'm reaching over here for my Seal One product. Seal One uh, is uh, sponsoring our Talking Lead AK Corner, making it possible. And uh, this coming up AK Corner this month, we're going to be talking about the Uzi. And we're going to have IWI on, and uh, we're talking about the history, the ins and outs, the parts. We're talking about the variants uh, and uh, answering your questions. I made a post on social media, so if you guys haven't posted your questions yet, to make sure you go and, and post those questions. <coughs> to uh, SEAL1.net, and to use the code LEADHEAD at SEAL1.net, you're going to get 25% off. And uh, that's the best thing you can do for our sponsors of the show is go and buy their products. Let them know how much you uh, appreciate them and uh, use their products. Seal One's a great product. Um, the reason that uh, I wanted them to sponsor the AK Corner is that the Seal One CLP, it's uh, all one product, but they've got several different delivery methods. So they've got like a, a paste, a gel, they've got an aerosol, uh, but it prevents corrosion really well. Uh, so if you've got, if you're a boating guy, you're a fisherman, uh, you're marine type uh, tools and equipment, it's great to put on those as well. Seal1.net, Derek. I'll write it down. Write it down. You know, I, got a good fr- I got a good friend that's uh, pretty well known in the gun legal industry. He uses Mobile One car oil on his guns. <laughs> Mobile One? <laughs> yeah, he does. I think it's 10W40 or well, something. Well, it's good for lubing, but for cleaning, uh, I don't know that it's great for cleaning. Uh, but Seal One does it all. One product cleans, lubes, and protects. With it's a CLP, the, right? Basically, it is a CLP. Uh, yeah, clean, lube, protect. Yeah, there you go. That's what we what we use in the army. I don't even know if the army still uses CLP. I can't. That was a long time ago. There's no telling. No telling what they use these days. Uh, but yeah, we've got more codes coming throughout the show, so uh, stay tuned. And if you're watching our new YouTube video, I'll have a little scrolling things on the YouTube video that'll have links uh, where you can go and it'll have the codes on there that you can uh, can use these codes and take advantage uh, from all of our, our sponsors. I just started building a new rifle the other day too, Derek. Um, what kind? It's uh, it's an AR, but it's in 7.62 by 3.9. And why? Okay. And you're saying, why would you do a 7.62 by 3.9 in an AR platform? Because most people say it sucks. Well, because of the AK corner, I wanted to put up a AR 7.62 by 3.9 against a AK-47 and okay. just test accuracy, reliability, and, and that, that, that type stuff. Uh, plus, I had a 7.62 barrel that I needed to <laughs> do, do something, something with. with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, hey, why it. not? So, um, this is it. I got it almost finished. That's great. And Who's the manufacturer on the, on the receiver? Uh, so this is an Anderson arms loader. Okay. Yep. Um, just standard. I've probably had that thing for I don't know how long. But uh, Mission First Tactical, another sponsor of the Talking Lead podcast, 
uh, boom, they sent me one of their new aluminum minimalist stocks, hmm. which their their um, composite ones, the plastic ones, are really, really good. I love those. And you would think that this one would be a lot heavier, uh, but it's actually, it feels like it's a little lighter. I haven't actually weighed it hmm. to see, but it's adjustable, but it's aluminum. So they got aluminum minimalist butt stocks now at Mission First. And then I got their hand guard. They're a 15-inch handguard on here. Uh, they sent me a, uh, a gas tube also, so I've got their gas tube on here. Uh, and then their grip. I've got a grip, but I haven't put it I haven't changed it out yet. But this is uh, the 7.62 right here. And I'm waiting on a, a bolt carrier. Okay. So once that comes in, and I read somewhere, and I don't know, you may know this, is a 6.5 Grendel bolt... The same for uh, as a seven sixty by three nine. Yeah, I don't know that. Okay, <laughs> I'm <right>. a lawyer. <laughs> so you lead heads, you may know that um, because I do have a six five Grendel um, bolt. So I don't know if that would uh, jack things up or not. But I, mm. they seem to be the same to me. But well, let me know. I'm curious. I will. I'll let you know. I'll test it out. I've got one. Making your franking gun there. My franking gun. Yeah. The, all my guns are pretty much franking guns unless the manufacturer yeah. sends it to me. I love building my own firearms. Yeah, I'm actually making my own AR-15 from the ground up. I've I've never done that before. I have the know-how. I'm actually an AR-15 gun uh, armorer, actually. I took a three-day class on it, but I just never got around to doing it. But uh, Palmetto State used to sell these comical lower receivers. You ever seen them with the engravings on them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something funny. And they had one with the ATF meme, the guy over the <laughs> looking over the wall. And I had to buy it. So I bought the, it. The Kilroy one? Is it the yeah, Kilroy? Right? Yeah. So I need to, I think it's called, it's like Freedom 15, I think is what they call it or something. Nice. And um, I have to get that thing made up. So I have all the parts. I just had to sit down and do it. Well, our, our mutual friend, uh, Curtis, I'm sure he'd be happy to help you out with that. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, he, he definitely could do it. I'm sure. Uh, no doubt. Do you have a, a caliber in mind that you want to you want to build? It's yeah, it's just five five six. I mean, I got five, five, more six. guns than I need. I mean, I got one hundred fifty plus guns. That, so shut your mouth. There's no such thing <laughs> as more guns than you need. Shut I actually just got a, I got a new truck, and I had to make the decision: should I keep buying guns or start putting things in my truck? So, <laughs> well, now you can start kitting your truck out for your I guns. Did. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. So what'd you do? Right. What what kind of customizations did you do to your truck? Well, well, I'm actually really into into flashlights and lumens i actually thought oh. about i actually thought about getting a uh actually make my own flashlights i thought about putting on a custom plate that said lumens but i thought that'd be too much no i i put like uh sixty thousand lumens on the front of the truck another 40 on the back i put different <laughs> fog lights in different <laughs> tires wheels i put a, a vault in the console um put a, a vault behind the back seat to hold my ar it's it's decked out. That is awesome. So you're into lumens. I've never heard anybody that was into lumens. That's I like. My wife makes fun of me. Every flashlight in the house is basically a thousand lumens. She's like, it's too many lumens. <laughs> she gets mad at me. It's too bright. She's like, I need a light that's like sixty lumens when I get up at night. I'm not blinded. Do you need? You, have you checked out uh, ASP's flashlight? Asp. I have not. No, I've they've not got seen it. some great flashlights. Um, I usually have like four of them sitting here. I went yeah. camping this weekend. And uh, I packed a lot of them up and took them with me. But uh, they're dual fuel, so mm. you, know, you can use standard, regular batteries, right? Uh, or they've got the rechargeable that you know just uh, use your yep. cell phone charger, yeah. Uh, and you can you can charge them up like that. Uh, but 
different varying lumens, but they're, you know, thousand and yeah. plus kind of, but really nice uh, handheld, got the programmable where you can do the, the flash, yeah. you can do the different color on some of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all that, all that kind of stuff, but, uh, they're, they're really good, durable flashlights and the, the charge on them lasts a long time. Yeah, I uh, every time I see a new flashlight gadget, I usually end up buying it. I just got a new one that's an LEO light, that's an angled light. I think it's called First Light at Sunrite. Uh, it could be. You said you make your own lights. That intrigued me as well. Uh, yeah, there was an old. I used to get into these forums where you'd find out. You know, you buy. You know, the the the, the casing and the different the different apparatuses for the light. You could pick the different colored peel. I would get like an orange peel on it. So it, it looks like it's incandescent when it's not right. Different things like that. And I used to build them when I was in, really into training I needed a, a good light tactical EDC light. So I mm -hmm. used to make them and I haven't done that in a long time. I mean, sure. Flyer lights are great, but they're just so damn expensive to be honest. Yeah. Well, that's the good thing about the, the ASP too, is they're not, they're not unaffordable. And if you use the code lead 20, at ASP USA, you're going to get 20% off any of their lights or light products. Lead 20. Lead 20. And I'm I could, this down. I could probably hook you up. So, All right. Well, I like that. Send me a bunch of flashlights. I, I'd probably give you the hookup with my buddies over there. Uh, they'd probably be I, interested I, in sending you some stuff. I may have more flashlights than guns. I don't know. So, I've, I have slowly started to accumulate... Uh, lights. I have at least one light flashlight in every room. Oh yeah, easy. I have one in my truck. I have several in my truck. Absolutely. I'm trying to remember the name of that company. It's a really great light, and it's an angled light. You know what I'm talking about? It looks like a like an L. Mm -hmm. It's a little pocket one. It's for law enforcement, and it's got a a flash uh, mode where it looks like a cop, like the cherries and berries. Oh, okay. They're flashing. Yeah. So you can you can mimic that too. It's really really cool light. I can't remember the name of the company though. I'm looking for Phoenix makes good lights too. I have some Phoenix lights. Yeah, I've heard of I've heard of Phoenix. Um, we'll get you set up with some uh, ASP lights. Okay. Yeah. Leadheads, if you're interested, go to uh, ASPUSA. dot com. Use the code LED twenty, and it's just their light products. Um, anything flashlight or light accessories, uh, that code applies to. We're working yeah, that, with them on getting a code for all their other stuff. They do the red guns, uh, the training guns, yeah, uh, as well. Got magazines so, in that one. Got a got a nice knife, red gun knife. They've got an AR uh, red gun, and they've got the the magazine. So you yeah, can, I like that those magazines come out. I've never seen a training gun like that. Yeah, this is a new offering from them, and it's a that's nice. Uh, butt stock on the AR. They've got a whole slew of other firearms there. Uh, pretty much, I think they've got most everything except Glock, because Glock's real buttholes about giving people license to mm -hmm. copy their their products. But this is like a, a Sig. Yeah. Uh, copy here. Nice. I like uh, that. Great I think trainers. I have a blue gun at home. Yeah. So basically, they're this is their blue gun. Is their the red mm -hmm. guns. They've got the red, but it's got a detachable magazine. Does the slide doesn't work on that? I'm guessing, right? The, this is yeah, not a slide on this one. Yeah, no. Yeah, probably something that they're going to look at doing in the in the future. But yeah, they're evolving. You know, they're evolving. Yep. Uh, but eventually, hopefully, we're going to get codes for their cuffs, their batons, uh, all that stuff coming soon. So be looking for that, leadheads. So, uh, Derek. We had talked a little bit uh, prior to this, and we do this thing 
called the Trains and Planes segment. Okay. And uh, our our engineer of the talking lead jack wagon train is the Gunny, Arlie Ermy himself. So we're going to let Gunny bring that train in so we can haul right. off some jack wagons. Let's do it. All right. All right. Who rides Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. All right, so the train has stationed, and we've got several Jack Wagons that we want to take care of, and I'm going to start with uh, you Leadheads. So you Leadheads had sent me one here, and let me find it. This comes from Joe. And it says, vaccine BS and anti-jack wagon tactic. It says, hey, Lefty, you said the so-called authorities are restricting air travel to coerce vaccinations. So uh, a couple of episodes back, I had mentioned um, uh, traveling to Chicago. And that Chicago, uh, if you were from certain states, they were requiring that you showed proof of vaccination or something like that hmm. um, before you could uh, enter their their state. And Tennessee at the time was one of those states. And uh, before, before we left for Chicago, we found out that they had since updated that and changed it and you didn't have to, you didn't have to do that. But, you know, we were, we were kind of looking at all the things that are going down with this vaccination and that, uh, companies for their employees, you know, a lot of them are, are requiring that people get the vaccination. Uh, if you uh, want to go to a, an event, sporting event or something like that, we're like, you know, this is this is something that they could use uh, against you. You know, if you don't have the vaccinations, like, hey, if you want to go see this concert, you want to travel, you want to do this, you know, you're going to have to show proof of this vaccination. So it's something that they could use uh, to force you to, you know, to get the vaccination if you didn't want to. So that's where he was coming from with that. So he says, I think that's breaking the the Nuremberg Code law when they do that. Check it out. We hung Nazis in Nuremberg trials for killing concentration camp prisoners with forced vaccines. So we passed the Nuremberg Code back then, which makes it illegal to force or coerce anybody to get vaccinated without their permission and full knowledge of implications. And since these warp speed vaccines we're tested for like two whole weeks. Nobody knows what the hell the side effects are going to be. Uh, and then he goes on and says, hey, man, I just found out you're on YouTube, too. So, yes, we are now posting our podcast to YouTube. So if you're listening to this, you want to watch us, you want to see my ugly mug and my beautiful guest face, you can go to <laughs> go to YouTube. I am uh, I'm recording these now, which I don't know why people enjoy watching people sit there and, and talk to each other because... I mean, it's not like we're doing a whole lot. I'll hold up stuff, you know, occasionally, uh, products and whatnot, but whatever, you know. I aim to please. Uh, says, I saw you waving around a nice buck knife. Yes, that was a custom-made uh, knife that C.J. Buck uh, had made for me over at uh, Buck Knives when they hosted us for Shot Show, the last Shot Show. He says, buck I can't. Knives. He says, I can't carry a knife that big in my jack wagon state. And he doesn't tell me what state he's in. But I can carry my little Fred Perrin street beat knife alongside my belt buckle in that horizontal polymer sheath. Very good. So there you go, Joe. So I'm not, I'm not, sh are you familiar with the Nuremberg Code? 
I'm not. I um no, I not at all. <laughs> not something I've ever read, or I don't think we taught about it in law school to my recollection. Yeah, so I think it has to do more with human um what's guinea pig what's what's a human guinea pig called? Um test subject. Mm-hmm. Uh I had it up here. Where's it at? I got Google. so many tabs open. Uh, I just did a quick search on Google. Uncle Google told, tells me that the judgment by War Crimes Tribunal in Nuremberg laid down 10 standards to which physicians must conform when carrying out experiments on human subjects. And a is. new code that is now accepted worldwide. It's a standard of ethical medical behavior for the post-World War II human rights era. The so Nuremberg Code. test subjects. So, I mean, I guess we could be considered test subjects with this vaccination. <laughs> you know? I guess we could, sure. Uh, we just booked a, a trip to, um, like, the Cancun area. Yep. Uh, and we were looking, and before we booked it, we didn't look in to see what their, their uh, vaccination guidelines and all that were there. But uh supposedly you still have to wear like a mask like if you're in a building or something like that but as long as you're outside you don't have to wear yeah you don't have to wear a mask and they're not saying anything about having to show proof of a vaccination either but you have do you, been, you have do you have to get out, go ahead have you been out of the country since covid no i haven't this we will be to, we went to jamaica in january and we had to get tested before we went and um we use a travel agent's buddy of mine we're going to um nassau bahamas in january this year and we have to get tested before you go, and when you come back, you have to get tested. Well, as far as I know, we don't have to get tested before we go, but before we come back, we have to. Huh. Yeah, we had to get tested. I had to go to the Kroger, which is a grocery store in Ohio. No, we have them here, to the, too. K. Yeah, Rogers, to to, we call them. Yeah, K. Rogers. We had to go to K. Rogers Minute Clinic to get the uh, the vaccine test, and then you could fly. So, <laughs> bizarre. Yeah, but you don't have to have the vaccine. You just have to get tested, right? Right now, I'm I'm a little concerned about it. I was asking my travel agent if I got money back, and he doesn't know if they require that because, you know, um, I just haven't made my mind on what I'm going to do about that yet. So it's definitely something that I have to ponder on. Yeah, definitely. If you're going to be traveling out of state, buy that travel insurance. <laughs> if you have I don't to cancel, know that it does much to be honest with you. I tried to use it last year because if, if the uh, the test for the COVID came back positive and I couldn't go. And I found out it wouldn't cover it. I was a little really? bit about it. I was pissed off. So I didn't get it this time. I don't think it does much. My wife lived in Tokyo mm. during the tsunami, and they wouldn't they wouldn't pay for her uh, ticket when she had to reschedule it because of the tsunami. Oh. And they wouldn't because of the tsunami? They wouldn't. Because no, it's it, a natural because it it's a natural it thing. It wasn't covered in the policy somehow. I don't know. I don't sell insurance, but I don't have a lot of uh, hope for those policies. So I don't know if insurance actually works for travel. I don't think it generally does. I don't know. But anyway, I'm I'm locked into it, looks like. Um, so I'm going to have to apparently wear a mask. But you have to wear them on planes. Yep. Yep. Uh, which is ridiculous. Cancun's not far. What is that, three or four hours maybe? Yeah. I mean, it's not far. But then you got to get on a bus, and then they got to bus you to wherever the actual yeah. resort is, which is in like – river de maya or something i don't know yeah yeah well have fun i like me i was in acapulco in college it was good the time. acapulco dive it was a good it was a good time I liked it. did you do the acapulco dive i don't remember what i did i don't remember any of it to be honest with you i remember growing up ago. the wild wide world of sports 
Remember that? Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. That show. Uh, they had like this diving competition, and it was an in Acapulco. Okay. And they were calling it the Acapulco Dive. You know, I, didn't, people... I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we definitely didn't do that. It was back so. in the day. I'm probably yeah. a little bit older than you are. Maybe. So on the Nuremberg and the Nazi um, tailcoats, our next jack wagon comes in from Leadhead Ed. And I don't know if you've, you guys have heard of this or not, but there's um, a pastor up in, uh, I guess he's a preacher, pastor, whatever you call him. I don't know what religion he is, but he um, refused to let the police and health authorities come in, I guess, to one of his services to do a test or something on the people. I don't know what their their laws are there in, in Canada right now, but apparently uh, his congregation and he forced them out and wouldn't let them do their, their testing or whatever. And then as he's driving down the interstate, he gets accosted by an army of Canadian police officers. I mean, there was probably a dozen police cars that pulled... This guy, this old preacher dude over and his uh, his assistant or whatever, I don't know, and uh, f- arrested them, forced them uh, into their police cars and arrested them. So, um, Pastor Arthur Pawlowski and his brother yeah, David Pawlowski were stopped on their way home from church by a motorcade of heavily armed police vehicles. Informed they were under arrest for allegedly violating Alberta's Public Health Act. The two were removed from their car, placed on the wet ground in the middle of the highway, handcuffed, and dragged into police vans. Uh, and there's a video of this, too, and I watched the video, so you guys can can go and do that. Actually, I think I can play it and share it. Joe Rogan talks about this on his show a few times. He He's pretty irate about it, too. It's, it's really interesting to hear him talk about it. Let me uh, share my screen here. They are behind. Audio so settings. Take snapshot. See what is about to happen. Somehow I can share my... In Canada, democracy in Canada. Full force. Share my screen. Unbelievable. You probably can't hear that, can you, Derek? It's playing right now. No, I cannot. No. Gangsters are here. So, as per the injunction that was served on uh, Screen Chair and uh, David back here, I am to place both of them under arrest for breaching the police bench order. Both of us see my arrest. screen now? Yes, I can see it. Yep. What's your uh, name, officer? Andrews, can't 52 hear it. 44. Okay. So, how do you feel being Still can't hear it? No. We got a gangster here. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel Wanna being be... a Nazi and breaking the gun? What's his uh, officer? What's this your name and uh, number? What's your name and number, please? I think it was Alberta. A low breaker. You're breaking the charter of rights and freedoms. How can you look in your mirror, man? So I have advised both you and uh, Mr. Pulaski over there that you guys are both under arrest. Please. So I mean, they're being very polite. The police officers are. Well, they're Canadian. They have to be. <laughs> it's just yeah, in their nature. Been, I've never been to Canada. And I refuse to go. Yeah. So Open the, the, door, man. the the Open. preacher oh, getting out of the crotch shot of somebody. That's nice. <laughs> so, the guy videoing. He's about like me operating a camera. Scary stuff. It's a threat. They got 
a harmless old preacher dude because he had church service. And he's calling them Nazis. Psychopaths. Gustavo Psychopaths. He's yelling out. What's your uh, name, officer? The guy filming's asking all the officers' names and badge numbers. So the, the preacher's saying to him right now, do it Nazi style. Do it the Nazi style. Now he's yelling. Taser me, kill me, he said. Two officers picking him up, dragging him. His his brother is down on the ground now. Three of them get him. Is that considered re uh, resisting arrest? This is not communist China. Don't you guys have different laws? Whatever happened to Canada? So there's that. That might be completely legal in Canada, for all I know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that'd be a travesty in the United States. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't know all the facts, but, you know, if he didn't do anything other than hold uh, a religious service, I'd be irate. Yeah, so I don't know the full story on it, but from what I read, uh, it was, you know, he they were having... Uh, I guess they were having, um, they weren't supposed to be having service, church services, maybe. That's what it was. You know, in our our home uh, state of Ohio here, um, our General Assembly, our Congress, actually restricted the governor's authority under the health, uh, the health laws, if you will. Yeah. So I thought that was a good thing. All right. Is, are we back to normal here? I stopped sharing my screen. Yeah, I can see you. Okay. Good deal. That was the first time I shared my screen, so I didn't know if that would work or not. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, for the uh, the audio podcast, you guys didn't get to see that, but um, just Google um, our, it's A-R-T-U-R, Pawlowski, and David Pawlowski uh, rested after church service. And this is, again, this is in Canada. This isn't the United States. Yeah. So this happened in Canada. But still, it doesn't make it right. Uh, either way, uh, so depending on the, you know, the backstory of that yeah, definitely um, Trudeau and his uh, his Gestapo there um, definitely were in the wrong. I don't I don't agree with that at all. So that's that's our two uh, jack wagons from our lead heads. Uh, have you got any jack wagons? Anybody you want to throw on the jack wagon train, Derek? Me? Me? Yeah. yeah, President Biden. President We're right for the top. President Biden, I don't think you're going to get any arguments from our leadheads on that one. <laughs> what? Well, just his, uh, his most recent executive orders on firearms, they're all just nonsensical. So that's a pretty jackwagon move, in my opinion. Yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So, because um, that's, that's going to be the topic of the show today, uh, obviously. Um, what are some of the things that they're proposing uh, the, the most, uh, I guess, in our face right now is the proposal for the ATF to come out with a rule that basically redefines firearms. And as we are sitting here, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, just, you got that from Larry Keene, that talks about that. And they're, they're asking for support, obviously, to fight it. But one of the things he does is basically he's trying to get rid of what he terms as ghost guns, which are the, um, the unfinished lower receivers. 
mm-hmm. or receiver blanks is what I like to call them. Um, they're also called 80% lowers, uh, where you can buy these things and then it's just basically a hunk of plastic or metal. And then you finish it out yourself with your own tools and then you create an unserialized fire. Done it. Made, done a couple of those myself. Yeah. Well, they're, they're going to regulate those if you're, if they're sold through dealerships, I I believe the rule, and I haven't gotten through all 115 odd pages of it does not require people like yourself to do anything with it. You're, there's an option. If you want to serialize it, you can. Uh-huh. Um, but I believe it goes through a dealer, which is where the regulation really takes hold because the federal government regulates dealers. Um, then you have to serialize it. So it, it redefines that. And I believe it redefines it in such a broad way that even internal parts have to be serialized of the gun. Uh, it does some other things too, from the industry side, which I think is just going to be a, uh, it's going to be such a, a disaster in my opinion. Right now, if you have a federal firearms license or an FFL and you go to buy a gun, right, you go and purchase a gun. And uh, the dealer has to keep that 4473 record for 20 years, 20 or 21 years. Let's say it's 20 for our discussion. Um, and then you can destroy it. Now they're going to change that. That's going to be kept indefinitely. So all these records have to be kept forever. That's, you know, that's unless, ridiculous. Unless you, unless you surrender your license, at which point those records are turned into the ATF. So in essence, in my mind, that creates a de facto registry of sorts, right? That they, the government now has in their possession when you surrender your license, when you retire or whatever they have in their possession a record it might not be the most efficient record but they do have a record of what guns you own yeah yeah so um talking about the ghost guns and uh, you're talking about they said something about serializing the internal parts also yeah i haven't read the entire you know for the listeners just so we're clear i haven't read through all 115 pages i, I like to go through these things methodically that's what i'm trying to do but from the summaries I've read, I, I, I think some, uh, one of the interpretations is that certain internal components of the firearms may have to be serialized as well. I haven't confirmed that, but yeah. that's that's what I believe even Larry Keene's email says. Let me pull that up. You, If you get NSS emails, you should have gotten this. Um, I do get those. Justice Department is potentially ensnaring all manufacturers by requiring multiple parts to have a serial number which would then each be a firearm in and of themselves, creating a logistical and regulatory nightmare for an already heavily and constitutionally protected industry. Um, so again, I mean, NSF gets this stuff right. I have no reason to doubt this is wrong, but I just haven't had a chance to confirm it through reading the, uh, the rule yet. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very scary that uh, they're proposing something like this um, because you know ghost guns are very prevalent in all the mass shootings that have occurred. You know, oh the, man, they're not, they're not even hiding their, they're not even hiding their intent anymore. I get so animated about this because it's bullshit. I mean, they they really in my opinion want to take your guns. That's it. It's 100% what it is. And you can't sit there and and blow smoke up my ass and say it's about safety when it's always more. You know, you you get this, they give this law to them, and they want more. And they want more. And before you know it, they're eating the whole damn cake. It's all gone, right? Well, wasn't it um is either Pelosi or him or, or one of them, they they just came out and said, "Go, don't you just want to take guns away?" And he's like, "Yeah, you know." Yeah, they're not even hiding it anymore. You know, when Obama ran for office, you remember the shotgun picture? Yeah, where you're shooting. They don't even do that anymore. They come out and their platform now is anti-gun, 100. They don't even have hunters for Obama or anything like that anymore. They don't even try to court the gun right. Yeah, the gun. I'm sorry, the the, the gun movement. The gun movement. Yeah, the gun advocates. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, 
the 80 the 80 so this would uh, get it what about the 3d printed guns does this fall under that also i would i think their goal is to yeah to regulate 3d printed guns especially as well as um these other uh um 80 lowers blank receivers and such that's their goal on this law but it's so broad it affects the entire industry yeah that's the problem and like you said if they so. get into serializing uh, all the other parts or any other part for that matter and, right. and calling it a firearm, you know, just well, look at all the bullshit we got to go through right now just to get well, a firearm. And Dan Crenshaw, as an interlude into what we talked about off air, has proposed a bill. What was it? The ATF Accountability Act of 2021. Yeah. Um, I mean, they passed these rules and there, there's really you have a comment period. But after that, you have to sue. You have to file a lawsuit. That's going to take two years to work itself through the court system. Yeah. You know, so ultimately what Cren I think Crenshaw has proposed is some sort of administrative procedure remedy when these rules are promulgated so that you can challenge them, you know, and maybe effectively have your say, because not only are, you know, people have to understand in this country, this doesn't only affect guns and the consumers, it affects families. These companies employ people yeah. and their families rely on that. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Absolutely. And these people, if they can't support themselves, you have more unemployment and these are, again, as Larry said in his email, it's a constitutionally protected item. This is not like we're making anything nefarious. You're making legitimate items. Right. And uh, it's my understanding that if something is a it's a constitutional right, now, I mean, they can regulate laws and do all that. But, I mean, look at the tax stamps and things like that. It's, a, it's supposed to be illegal for them to be able to tax a constitutional right. You know, so, you know, these tax stamps that we have to pay, uh, mm. There's taxes on ammo, uh, you know, uh, that's, it's illegal for them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about, um, yeah, this brings something to mind. You, you know, the DC Heller case, right? The original mm -hmm. big Supreme court case from 2000, it actually got, it actually came down the year I graduated law school. I remember that. And Scalia is one of my heroes from uh, the standpoint of justices. He's an amazing writer, just one of the most brilliant thinkers I've ever come across. And he actually uh, was there sitting on the bench when I got sworn in the, U the U.S. Supreme Court. So I actually got to interact with him nice. in that regard. Very cool. But, but anyhow, um, he made one mistake, in my opinion, in that decision. He said, and I'm going to paraphrase or butcher it rather, but he said something in the opinion to, to say that this is not to say that uh, longstanding prohibitions on things such as machine guns sh are, are unconstitutional. Um, well, He's saying that because it's longstanding, but why is it longstanding? That doesn't make it constitutional, right? Mm. You're saying now it's constitutional to have that regulation because it's been around for so long. But that doesn't mean it's constitutional. Yeah. It just means no one successfully has challenged it. I believe the National Firearms Act is unconstitutional, but no one's ever successfully been able to, to challenge that in court. So um, one of the, I think, more poorly worded things that Scalia wrote in that, uh, that opinion, unfortunately, but... Nevertheless. So for our listeners who aren't familiar, District of Columbia versus Heller, uh, 554 U.S. 570 2008 was a landmark decision of the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution protects an individual's rights to keep and bear arms unconnected with service in a militia or traditionally lawful purposes such as self-defense within the home, and that the District of Columbia's, is that your picture with Scalia? That's Dick Heller. Oh, Dick Heller. Okay, there's a glare and, on yeah. there. I can't see. And Dick signed the uh, the syllabus for me. I met Dick at the NRA convention. Nice. And that's Dick. That's the guy the case was. That's who brought the case, actually. Very nice. So, it says, really also nice stated guy. that the right to bear arms is not unlimited 
and that guns and gun ownership would continue to be regulated. It was the first Supreme Court case to decide whether the Second Amendment protects an individual's right to keep and bear arms for self-defense uh, or the right was intended for right. state militias. So. so so, as we talk today, that's kind of the cornerstone of what we're discussing. Yeah. When we talk about gun jurisprudence, since 2008, this is now an individual, in 2010, an incorporated right to the states. I mean, the states cannot restrict it unconstitutionally. Not all... You know, as the country was founded, it wasn't necessarily that all the 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 Bill of Rights were incorporated to the states, meaning the states had to abide by them. But it is clear now that the Second Amendment must be abided by by the individual states. So that is the cornerstone of where we start. And now we're moving into this case, um, New York versus what is that case? I sent that to you earlier. The new one. Yeah. This would be like the second. Um... Yeah, the second New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case. And they're actually hearing it's a big case. Um, there have been no real significant Supreme Court cases on gun rights really since McDonald. And a lot of people in the gun community have been dismayed with Chief Justice Roberts because of that, because he's basically alluded to that he would vote against them. Um, and then we got Amy Barrett in, in, uh, into her seat as a justice. And now we're bringing this New York case. And it basically is going to stand for the proposition. The question presented is, does the Second Amendment apply outside the home? Can you, is the Second Amendment protect your ability to carry a gun outside the home without a concealed carry license or even with a concealed carry license? Um, I haven't read all the briefs yet, but that's essentially what the summaries say. So yeah. we're all excited to see what happens with this case. Well, so it's, it's New York result. State Rifle and Pistol Association, Inc. versus Corlette. Yeah. Uh, and this will be... Uh, over a decade after it ruled that the Second Amendment protects the right to have a handgun in the home for self-defense, the Supreme Court agreed on Monday to decide whether the Constitution also protects the right to carry a gun outside the home. The justice an announcement that they will take up a challenge to a New York law that requires anyone who wants to carry a gun in the state to show a good reason for doing so sets the stage for a major ruling on gun rights mm -hmm. uh, this year. And there was a previous case, under, I think the same name, and it was kicked out of the Supreme Court on mootness, meaning it resolved itself because New York actually changed its law. There's some weird law that you couldn't bring guns outside the city that was challenged. It was bizarre. Yeah. And um, Kavanaugh, I think, had said in his his uh, opinion that we need to take a case to decide these issues. It needs to be addressed because we feel like states are being overly restricted on this right. And so now this case has come around. So it's a big deal. It's a big case. Yeah. So it says the announcement came just one day short of one year after the court's ruling in a different challenge brought by the same gun rights group. Right. Uh, that yep. case uh, case involved the New York City's ban on the transport of licensed handgun outside the city uh, because the city had right. uh, repealed the ban before that case reached the Supreme Court. That's why they deemed it moot. Right. Well, the, the, the issue was, is how can you regulate somebody that's outside of your jurisdiction? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, um, but anyhow, I mean, we're getting kind of away from the Jack wagon Biden thing, but I, you know, well, it all ties in, you know, it, it all, all ties, ties in, in because this, this is exactly what they're, you know, they're doing. They're coming after our second amendment rights and they're doing it, uh, many different angles. <laughs> Yeah, I'm you know. pulling up the White House's website, and uh, we can go through them real quick. There's like yeah. four big ones. So the Justice Department, with the 30 days, will issue a proposed rule to help stop the proliferation of ghost guns. We've talked about that. The next one, 
within 60 days. So another month from now, there's going to be another proposed rule to make clear when a device marketed as a stabilizing brace effectively turns a pistol into a short barreled rifle. Now, you may remember right before the election, there was a leak of such a proposed rule. Do you remember that? Yeah, they they uh, actually, uh, the ATF, uh, what's it called? They, like they did the 80% company. They came in and they've, they did it on the stabilizing brace company. What was the name of the company that was doing the stabilizing? Oh, that was Q. QL. Q. Yeah. yeah. Q got popped. Um, I don't know if they got raided necessarily, rated. but they. That's the yeah, word. They, they got a letter at least. I don't know the details of it, but the, the, the way the ATF looks at the brace, and I think what they're going to do is pass that rule that, in fact, did come down. It's, it's, it's all these different things the ATF will look at, what we call in the law of totality of the circumstances. So we look at everything. And when we look at everything, is that, a, is that a rifle or is that a handgun? How heavy is it? How long is the length of pool? What kind of optic are you using? Are you using a 60-pound magazine versus Ammunition a 10-round magazine? Using. Ammunition you're using. Exactly. You know, all these different things that are very subjective, even though they say it's an objective standard, it's not. Yeah. You know, the length of pool for my wife, who's 100 pounds soaking wet, is very different from me. You know, she's five foot two, and I'm 5'10". Right. So the length of pool is just different. And so you can't have this, this, this standardized rule on this. It's, and and I, I've talked to the inventor of the brace, uh, SB Tactical, and that thing legitimately was designed to help a friend who had a traumatic war injury shoot a gun. Right. That's, that's the original intent of it. And so it's going to, that's going to come down. I'm not very happy about it. And then the question for it is, for me is, all right, say I have a bunch of these braced guns that I want to register. They might waive the fee of $200. Who's going to pay for the engraving? You know, mm. they got to be engraved. Gotta Who's going to pay for that? What, what's that? They have to be serialized. When you make it, when you make your own SBR, like if you take like a six hour MPX and put a collapsible stock on it, you have to register it with the National Firearms Act, mm-hmm. National Firearms Transaction Registry. You got to pay two hundred dollars. You have to engrave the name of the owner, the city and state. So my trust is called the DAD trust, right? The Dad Trust. So I register my NFA items to that trust. Those are my initials, by the way. Um, then it'll be engraved dad trust Columbus, Ohio. So if they're going to make everybody register these brace guns, which there's millions, I think out there in the marketplace. Oh yeah. Who's going to do all the engraving? Are they going to waive that requirement? And if they make you pay for it, I mean, and you can't afford it, then what, you know, it's a constitutional right, arguably blah, blah, blah. So it's nonsense, man. Well, then more nonsense, you know, then it, you know, it becomes that they're, they're being, um, um, you know, people who can't afford it, what's that? Uh, discriminatory, you know? Well, you look at, like, the Sixth Amendment and your right to counsel, and they'll provide counsel in certain instances where they pay for it. If we're going to have all this gun regulation that you have to go through for person-to-person background checks, who's paying for that? Yeah. You know, and if, if we have to pay for it, if I'm poor or what we call indigent, do I get the government to pay for it? Well, they're, right? now they're they're proposing to pay for Uber rides for people to get vac- <laughs> vaccines. So, you know, yeah. have you well, seen that that? That, that? that fits their narrative, though. Another so Joe okay. Biden jack wagon, yeah. reason why he's a jack wagon. Oh, we got a few more for him. Here's, here's another good one. The Justice Department within six days will publish model red flag legislation for states. So states that are too lazy to do it on their own, we're just going to do it for you, and then you can just adopt it. Yeah. Right? Uh, we, we, you shouldn't do your own legislation. We'll do it for you because we know better than you. You know, our our governor, who says he's a Republican, has tried to get red flagged for the last couple of years since the Dayton massacre. Yeah. And it's such to me, it's a red flag in the sense that it should scare the shit out of us that it's a, 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 a it's an encroach on our due process rights. Sure. They want to take your property before there's any just reason. You're to guilty do so. before. Absolutely. Before you're tried, you know. 
our office has, has tried to draft around these issues in our gun trust to try and address those um, those things. If it does come to Ohio, if it does happen, Indiana's got a red flag law. I was flabbergasted. Mm. Indiana of all states, one of the most conservative states. Our vice president's from Indiana, oh, and they wow. have a red flag law. Um, then there's another one here. They're going to do more investigation, community-based violence, and all that nonsense. Um, and then the big one, the one I think is most concerning, the president will nominate David Chipman to serve as director of the ATF. David Chipman is a notoriously anti-gun person. I think he did work for um, a Moms Demand Action or something like that, or, yeah. or Every Town some, for Gun Safety. Some Bloomberg right. organization, yeah. And you have to understand the kind of power the ATF director holds. I mean, they could, I mean, importation of weapons for sporting purposes, they could change that that terminology, that standard on, on what is sporting purposes, could really affect the importation of certain weapons. I don't think he'll actually get appointed, uh, but I think he'll serve as the acting uh, director of ATF. We haven't had an actual director of ATF in years. Yeah, It's always been acting director. So that's really concerning. And this is a slap in the face of the industry. This is not Biden trying to, to unite the country. This is Biden spitting at us. This is what he's doing. He's not uniting us. This no, is not at all. The furthest thing from uniting the, the, the people that support gun rights, which is a large part of the country is appointing David Chipman to act as director of ATF. And that we need to take that very seriously, very seriously. Yeah. And that, um, that has to go through review before he's appointed, right? Believe, it's not yeah, just because Biden wants yeah. him there. They have, it goes through review right. and they have to uh, agree on it and, I don't think he will. I don't think he'll actually get appointed, but I think he'll be the acting director, which yeah. is, you know, bad enough. I mean, he's still in there. He's still setting policy and changing changing the culture at ATF and how people like myself interact with them. We have a really good relationship with ATF. We get along with them very well. We get good results for our clients. ATF gets what they want right. and everybody's happy, but it's changing. It's becoming different. And that's that's concerning. Well, and uh, that seems to be their narrative also is uh, because things aren't the way that we want them to be, or, you know, the law is not stated the way, you know, that it's going to help us and, and serve our purposes. Let's change it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's just change the laws. Yeah. Well, we have an election coming up in a, what, a year and a half. So. Yeah. It's too um, long. It's too, yeah. it's too far. Well, away. We don't get to vote on the president, but we get to vote on Congress. We had, so. you know, we had our shot there yeah. and we dropped yeah. the ball big time. Yeah. Big time yep. dropping the ball. So those are some great jack wagons, and you you mentioned a hero. So we do we do this also. This this portion is called the the Lead Head Brigade Heroes, where they get a ride on Lead Force One, and um, <laughs> the pilot Derek of Lead Force One. Who would you think the pilot of Lead Force One is? If Gunny's the the engineer for the jack wagon train, he can handle our jack wagons for us. Who do you think? And we the let pilot? our we let yeah we let our <laughs> listeners vote on this you know I don't know John Travolta's a pilot <laughs> John Travolta yeah he's not got a good um, good history of keeping people alive though Bruce Willis <laughs> he was nominated he was okay Bruce Bruce Willis was nominated uh, I don't know who else uh, I, I Sully Sullivan the guy who landed in the mm -hmm. Hudson Bay he was nominated yeah that'd be a good one yeah uh, the, um, the female pilot that oh, did the same she was nominated. Uh, Nicholas Cage from that movie where he uh, Con oh, Air. <laughs> that would be Nicholas Cage. I'll vote for Nicholas Cage. Where I mean, were you crazy. when we were doing the the nominations? That would have been a good one too. No, no. So, so our pilot and the winner of the the contest is the ghost of Charlton Heston. 
Okay. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's a good one, yeah. but it's not it's Charlton one, Heston. Yeah. It's the ghost of Charlton Heston. Yeah, it's the ghost of Charlton Heston. Because he's like even it. more badass than <laughs> the real Charlton Heston. <laughs> From my cold dead hands. Yeah, that's right. yeah. So, that's um, so Scalia, is that who you uh, were saying is your hero? Scalia is, is one of my jurisprudence heroes. I think today I would uh, like to call out the Columbus Police Department SWAT team. They're, they're good friends of mine, and, nice. and they run – they run a training organization um, called uh, Sierra Training Group, and um, I actually got qualified as an FBI sniper through them. Um, probably Very one of the few cool. attorneys that's qualified <laughs> FBI sniper, but um, and I also got qualified as an, a BCI or OPADA sniper, which is a state level qualification. So great awesome. training, very affordable, and just good guys. You know, they just they're the Olympic athletes of law enforcement. They just really take their job seriously and want to do the right thing, and. Um, they don't, they stay out of the political fray and, and just try to do their job. So, uh, and God bless them. They, you know, they, they have a hard job right now. So yeah. that's who I would call out. Absolutely. That's a good one. So our, uh, lead heads, uh, we'll read theirs. Geo Osmond hadn't heard from Geo in a while. He's up there in Canada and, uh, he wants to take care of a couple of jack wagons, which is Justin Trudeau and Bill Blair. Uh, too much wrong to list here. So, uh, definitely they're on the jack wagon train. He's got two big heroes here in Canada. He says Rod Giltaka, Giltaka and Tracy Wilson of the uh, CCFR, which we've had Tracy on the podcast before. Um, Hmm. and that's the, uh, the gun advocates, right? Group up there in Canada, the CCFR Canadian coalition for firearms rights. Okay. Uh, their nonstop fight against Trudeau gun ban, along with all members of the CCFR and our court battle with the government. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, the CCFR, the, the, the NSSF here in the, in the United States, the NRA, mm-hmm. God bless their hearts. Uh, <laughs> uh, here um, our concealed carry um, organizations. All those definitely deserve uh, spots on Lead Force One. Yeah, I agree. Even the NRA with its issues, it's still it's still our NRA, and we still have to, you know, want to make it better. It's up and, to and us right to f- to clean yeah. it up, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Um, any nonprofit, I did nonprofit law for years, and any nonprofit is going to have issues. It just they just do. Yeah. Um, it's like a family, and you have to you have to work through those issues. Anytime you got that amount of money, there's going to be corruption. Yeah. But um, I'm sure it's going to turn a corner, and it's it's still fighting for our rights. And I hope that uh, things turn out well for all of us. Yeah, and and they will, they will. Uh, and he says, "Oh yeah, my ASP light that I won is still awesome and working great, like day one after almost two years." So there's another endorsement uh, for the <laughs> ASP lights. I'm surprised I heard of them. I probably have seen them. Uh, they're 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 good. I'll I'll hook you up with them. We'll, all right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We'll get you some hands on with those so that you can. Uh, Judge for yourself. Uh, and then we got one more lead head nominated uh, hero here. This comes from Jason Edgar. It says, my hero nomination is Brandon Ellis, a Cypress College student in California that stood up to his college professor after doing a presentation that he says police officers are heroes. Mm-hmm. His professor tries to push her opinion, and he is calm, respectful, and disagrees with her. This is an example of who is teaching our kids. This young man definitely deserves a seat, and she deserves a ride on the jack wagon train for sure. <laughs> That's a twofer. It's a twofer. There you go. There you go. 
<laughs> so definitely Brandon Ellis. Uh, I think this happened um, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. You know, um, he brings up a good point. I actually teach um, at a law school here, and I'm a guest speaker at uh, Ohio State University from time to time in a gun politics class. And there's some really, there is, I'm very encouraged by the younger generation. There really is some some logical minds out there. Even though we don't see it, I think social media pushes a narrative. That's not reality. There is good people out there that are thinking through these problems in our pro-gun, or pro-freedom, I should say. It's not even about wanting guns. It's about having the freedom to have freedom. guns, right? Yeah. And so there is a lot of freedom-loving millennials and even uh, I generation, you know, the one below them, people out there. So I, I encourage people to keep that in mind, keep perspective about it. So there's an I generation now? I've heard it called that, the ones behind the millennials, because they grew up in the iPhone generation. They've always had. I had someone actually tell me the other day, uh, it was one of my students. He said, you know, I grew up watching your YouTube channel. I have like a 60,000 follower YouTube channel. And um, it made me feel old because I feel like I just started doing that thing. But it's been like 10 years, <laughs> about when you started hey, this, right? Yeah, yeah. And he says, I grew up watching your channel. I was just like, oh my God. Grew up. He's like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, I mean, what you think about it, 10 years is like, wow. It doesn't seem it's like that long, long but yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. If anyone gets to laugh, go to my YouTube channel, look at some of my very first videos when I don't have a beard and I look like I'm 10. What's the, it's pretty, it's pretty comical. What's the name of your YouTube channel? How can they find just it? Munitions, just go to Munitions Group. Just on, Munitions on Group? Yeah, it'll it'll pop up. I've watched a couple of your more recent ones. I haven't gone back yeah. to any, any of the older yeah. ones. So well, I used to have a, a company that would sell DVDs of me going through the concealed carry law so instructors could just put the DVD in in their class. Um, that one debunked when YouTube came out. So I cut up the the native data, the the raw data, and I spliced it up into, into episodes on YouTube so you can still watch it. Nice. Very nice. It's a little dated, but it's funny. Well, it's you know, <laughs> it, it never gets old. Never gets old. Yeah. So that does it for our uh, our heroes and our jack wagons. Unless you've got any more. You got any more heroes or anybody you want to take care of? No, I'm good right now. I think, I think I've taken care of everybody at this point that um, that I want to. Uh, so let's get the uh, the train and the plane out of here, and let's talk about Derek and Munitions okay. Law Group. So talk about uh, how Munitions, Munitions Law Group um, came about. Well, I've been practicing law since 2008. I got licensed when the economy collapsed. I think I actually got licensed the same month Lehman Brothers announced that it was collapsing. So I wasn't getting a job. And I went to a very conservative law school. I think it's ranked number two most conservative law school in the country. But I did go to the Ohio State University for undergrad, which is more liberal university. So it's kind of a really balanced education, in my opinion. I went to Regent University Law School in, in, in Virginia Beach. Um, so when I came back, couldn't find a job. So I, I just had to hang my shingle, right? So I, I started doing criminal defense. Uh, and estate planning. I actually really enjoy estate and probate work uh, for whatever weird reason, but I do. Um, and so I made my own business and I realized very early on there was a need for, for gun lawyer, a gun lawyer. There wasn't one in Ohio that didn't exist really. That, that's what they made their career doing. There was defense attorneys that would you know, know a little bit about guns, but no one really understood all the intricacies of how the federal and state law played together. So I made it my mission to do that. And in that process, I met somebody by the name of Clay Cheshire, my current law partner, from Georgia at the time. He now runs our Louisville office and he was representing a lot of people in the industry. So I was representing a lot of people on the consumer side like yourself. And so we joined forces and created munitions law group about five years ago. And it's been off the races ever since. Now you guys are, how many States are you in? Um, so munitions law group, we, we've designed it. We have to be very careful ethically because ethically you can only practice in the States you're licensed in. 
Um, newer attorneys are taking what we call the multi-state bar exam, which gives you, who, you know, eight or nine states that you can practice in. But that's not how it was when I was licensed. So I'm only licensed personally to practice in Ohio. Clay is licensed in Georgia and Atlanta. We have of counsel and that's licensed in Florida, DC, uh, Illinois. I think that may be it. But then on the federal regulatory side, because you're not in court, essentially, I can do the federal stuff nationwide or even internationally because we're just helping you interpret regulatory law. That's most of what we do anyways. But if you're in Tennessee and you call me and you want to get your gun rights back, I'm going to need to get Tennessee counsel involved, right? Somebody that's licensed down there to work with me and I'll work as a consultant. So that's how we kind of operate. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you could, you could help people that you're not licensed in through being a consultant through a license. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. As long as I'm not interpreting and giving legal advice on Tennessee law necessarily. Yeah. So that's why I would work directly with the attorneys and not necessarily uh, the consumers. So they're not misinterpreting what I'm saying. Cause well, it can get a little dicey, but just get licensed here, man. Come on. You're just well, right next door. Come on. We're working. <laughs> we're, I'm working on certain strategic states to get licensed in, but I will never take a bar exam again. I refuse. You refuse to do that. Uh, you've had yeah, all, the, that again. all the bars you want to have. <laughs> yeah, that, that was enough. I'm done with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you got, you've got, you know, you come from an interesting background as well. You've got a military background, you know, you were yep. in the army. Yep. Talk about that and how that led to, to sure. your uh, law career. I was at Ohio State and uh, I joined ROTC. I did very well. They offered me a scholarship. I turned it down because I, you honest, honest God truth, if you want to know, is I didn't want to do PT in the mornings <laughs> at 6 a.m. I wanted to go drink beer and sleep in. Yeah, so absolutely. That's I what college to, is about. <laughs> I talk, yeah, a waste of money. So I talked to a recruiter and uh, joined the Army National Guard, got deployed very soon thereafter as a, a convoy security gunner and did, I think, roughly 13 to 14 months in Iraq, somewhere in there. And then came back and then finished up my time and I, I got out after six years. So, so you put in yeah. six years and then uh, I'm assuming you used the GI Bill to help with your, your education? Yep. yep, helped a lot. Yeah, yeah, I still have a lot of debt from law school. They didn't pay for that, but yeah. um, paid for almost all my undergrad. I didn't join the Army until I was already out of my freshman year, so I had a little bit of debt from that, but um, they paid the remaining three years. So it was definitely a good decision, life-changing decision. Yeah, I mean, there's some good opportunities with that. I mean, if somebody's you know, wishy-washy on what they want to do with their life. Yeah. You know, the military is a great, great career path to, yeah. to get in. Yeah. It's such a different paths. I had thought about special forces at one point. I was, you know, PT stud in, in boot camp and in the army, but then I got fat and lazy and <laughs> the, the beer started kicking in. <laughs> right. I just, oh, enough of that. We're not going to do that. I'll just be a lawyer. And no, I, I always wanted to kind of become a lawyer. My dad always said, I like to argue. And uh, so I just kind of took that and ran with it. I don't think people understand a lot of times how much of an impact a parent can have on somebody's life mm-hmm. just by simple things like that. But he said it to me, always stuck with me. Uh, so I followed that and uh, was able to get to where I'm at today, helping people in the industry uh, navigate what we're going through. Very good. Well, as far as, you know, your specialty, you know, you kind of got a, a niche there. Are are there other companies or other attorneys out there that you're aware of that specialize in just, you know, Second Amendment gun laws? Sure. There, there is absolutely other attorneys out there that do gun law. There are some very good ones. There's not a lot of us that really yeah, you don't do really it proficiently. Hear. Yeah. Yeah. Th- there's, you know, uh, Mark Barnes and there's, uh, Jason Davis out in California. And, um, there's, uh, Andrew Branca, who's a self-defense expert out in Colorado and Joshua Prince in Pennsylvania. I mean, there, we all kind of know each other for the most part or know of each other. Yeah. Um, and there's older ones that mentor the younger ones. And it's really like a little tight knit family. We all kind of get together at the NRA 
um, convention because there's a big on Friday. There's a big seminar for lawyers. It's about 300 lawyers that come oh, wow. from all over the country. It's all the gun lawyers in the country that basically come there. And, uh, there's a bit, it's continuing education. I've taught there several times and just a great opportunity to meet those other lawyers. I should so. probably edit that part out. That way, these anti-gunners that listen to the show, they'll know <laughs> yeah. where to get all the lawyers at one time. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Right, so, but uh, it's 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 really a rewarding uh, education experience if you're looking to learn about gun law. I actually remember sitting through that in, uh, I think it was in Phoenix. The NRA convention was in Phoenix back in like 2009 or 10. Yeah. You don't know if you remember that or not. And um, yeah. that's the first one I, I went there. to. I was a nobody. I didn't know anybody. But there was an FBI speaker, Fanny Hasselbacher, who became my my first gun law mentor, actually. And that's how I really got my start in gun law. I had to really do it professionally. She started teaching me some stuff. Yeah. Um, but she was a speaker there. And then I became a speaker there, you know, five years later. It was just a really rewarding experience. And it's got to be so frustrating because the majority of these gun laws are so counterintuitive, you know, to, to, to common sense. You know, what we well, consider common sense. Anyway. There's some. There absolutely is absurdity in gun law. There's a hundred percent. I could point to so many instances of absurdity in the law, and that's because the people that are passing those laws don't understand the laws. Exactly. Pro gun or anti gun, they don't understand how they work because there's case law out there that's developed how to interpret the law. And so when you read the law and say, "Oh, I'm not convicted of domestic violence. I can own a gun. I pled that out to assault." Well, and in fact, there's a case that says assault qualifies as domestic violence. Right. So there's all these weird, absurd results that we get. Um, and, and the problem in the legal community is, is that the lawyers don't even sometimes take the approach to gun law that they should. And they give clients wrong advice. Mm -hmm. Many criminal attorneys commit malpractice daily when they tell their clients to plead something out and it, it ends up affecting their gun rights, you know, things like that. So yeah. um, I agree with you. There's a lot of absurdity in the law. And again, it's because. Um, people in the anti-gun movement that are Congress people don't understand guns. And then both sides of the argument in Congress don't understand how the laws actually work. No. They're just trying the to placate to their constituents. It really are. It's, it's, it can be a nightmare sometimes, but that's why I have a job too. You know, I, I'm able to <laughs> it's navigate job that. security for you. It's job security. Cause I understand <laughs> it. Right. And I, I've spent my entire career trying to understand it and doing so efficiently. Right. So, but well, I enjoy it. What are some of the more, uh, you say absurd. I like that word cases that you've been involved with. And of course I know you probably can't give like specifics, but yeah, well, I'll give you a certain example, like in Ohio. Um, how do I say this? So it's very, very simple to understand. So restoration is really my ballywick. That's really where I've cut my teeth and where I excel, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding when a felon can get their gun rights back or anybody who's lost his gun rights, or if they even have lost their rights. Uh, one, one absurdity we have in Ohio, um, there's two laws that really come into play under federal law. There's the Lautenberg uh, Amendment, which amended the Gun Control Act in 68. Um, this was passed in 1996 to include you can't have a gun if you're a domestic violent offender, convicted of a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence. And, that and the law defines that to include it has to be a misdemeanor. Right. So in Ohio, it can be a felony of the fifth degree if I beat my wife and she's pregnant. So it's not a misdemeanor. Okay. So the federal law doesn't activate on the misdemeanor law, but then there's the felon in possession law, but that's not what the law actually says. It says you have to be convicted of a crime that is punishable by more than one year. And F5 in Ohio is punishable by guess how long? Exactly one year. It's a day short. So there's no disability at all. But if I, if she wasn't pregnant, 
it would have been a misdemeanor and I would have lost my gun rights for the rest of my life but because she was pregnant. <laughs> it doesn't fall into either one. Now the state will take away my rights, but sure. that's easy to fix under the state law. So you have these weird results. Sometimes it makes no sense. I got an even better one wow. real quick. Yeah. Um, the immigrant I disability. So there's a law and again, I'm paraphrasing that this says if you're an alien here on a non-immigrant visa, if you're an alien in the United States, on a non-immigrant visa, you can't own gun, can't possess guns. So if you're here visiting from like Canada, just visiting friends, you can possess guns because we have a treaty with Canada and you're not here on a visa, right? You don't have a visa. Mm -hmm. But if you happen to have a visa, like a work visa, a legitimate a reason visa, to be here, right? Yeah. And it's a work visa because it's a non-immigrant visa, can't touch a gun. <laughs> That's crazy. And there's case law, there's case law on that. There's absolute case law on that. It's crazy. It's nonsense. That is. It's all nonsense. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I would so, I would go bonkers. I would go bananas. Just yeah, but figuring this stuff out. In I every think some of us are probably better off not knowing, you know, the detail <laughs> that you know because we, our minds would just explode. Just well, I, I like that mentality because it gives me job, even more job security. So, <laughs> well, I mean, there's a reason why you have people like you uh, yeah. that, that do this so that other people can concentrate on what they do well. You know, right. Yeah. yeah, I had a a more liberal friend, a very liberal friend of me, um, get into a, I wouldn't say a debate, more of a discussion about vaccination and, and people in my circles, why they aren't getting vaccinated. I said, look, you know, my doctor, personal doctor said he's not getting vaccinated. Why wouldn't I listen to him? It's like when you hire a lawyer, you listen to your lawyer. Yeah. And he said, well, doctors can be wrong. I'm like, but I'm paying him. I assume he's right. You know, like, why would I hire a doctor and then question his methods and, and not do what he says? Right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, but you know, that was just something I encountered recently. Oh, well, I mean, I agree with that. If you're, if your doctor's telling you that he's not going to do it, then why the hell would I do it? That's just, yeah. And he's like in his seventies. Well, there's so. a reason he's lived that long. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Another reason to listen to your doctor. Right, exactly. <laughs> so. So Munitions Law Group, um, you guys are doing the Lord's work uh, for the 2A community. We greatly appreciate that. Um, give websites as our listeners are listening to this, where, sure. where can they can go and uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, munitionsgroup.com, munitionsgroup.com. If you go to YouTube, just type in Munitions Group, it should come up. We have an Instagram page. I've, I've really struggled keeping that up to date, and I apologize for that. Uh, we did just film a bunch more YouTube videos, so those will be posted soon. Okay. Now, I want to get to our listener question. I know that you're short on time. Is there any way that if we run long that we can get you back after your Oh, absolutely. Yeah, not a problem. We'll do it next week or sometime. Uh, so let's go to Instagram first. I'm going to that post. I made a post. Did you see the post? I posted you with the big hammer. The big... Uh, yeah. Certain yeah, little, I saw, yeah, Curtis sent it to me, actually. Look like a strong man hammer or something like yeah. that. Where did you get that hammer? That's that's my question. Uh, we, my wife and I were at like an antique store, and it was there. So <laughs> you just had to up, have it. it. I did, well, I didn't buy it. She snapped a picture. Oh, I should have bought it. You should have bought it. Hell yeah, should have bought it. <laughs> Let me know where it's at because I'll go buy that if it's still there. <laughs> All right, so here we go. First question: uh, Giddy up. Is your advice always to wait for a lawyer to be present? I guess if somebody I, gets rolled right. up. Right. So I assume he's, in, he's, he's indicating that there's some sort of law enforcement interaction. So this is an interesting question that people in this industry have a lot of different opinions on, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot of comments on what I'm about to say, and that's fine. 
Um, but I, you know, I, I've, I've investigated this, talked to prosecutor friends about this, talked to other lawyers about this. And my opinion is, is I've, I've been in combat, you know, I'm a combat veteran. I, I know what it's like to get tunnel vision. I know how hard it is to process information and think clearly when you have that adrenaline dump. Mm -hmm. So my advice is always to keep your mouth shut and just invoke your right to remain silent and for counsel. And you can't just be quiet and not say anything. You actually have to audibly invoke that right if you can do so. Indicate right. you're invoking that right. Um, the reason that, you know, in, in, a, in a vacuum, there is an ideal thing you should say about, yes, that person, I was in fear of my life, X, Y, and Z, and I want to prosecute that guy and I'll cooperate. And all. The problem is when you start talking as a human, you want to keep talking. And it gives the officer something to feed off of. And they right? know that too. <laughs> right. So you can, you can, as an instructor, stand up there and, and tell me what I should say, which makes sense academically, but in reality, that's not how it plays out. But you can remember a very simple rule, and that's to keep your mouth shut until counsel can talk for you. Right. So the easiest rule to remember is, is, is uh, just, you know, silence is golden. I used to put that on my uh, business cards. Just keep your mouth shut, invoke your right just to keep counsel. Your pie hole closed. Yeah. That's right. So I want to ask this one because I want to make sure we get this one in. But I've had several people ask, uh, you know, especially because of, you know, like the the 80% arms with the ATF went in there, raided them, got their records, find out who all was buying the the lowers and, and whatnot. What do you do if the ATF comes knocking at your door? Yeah, we've had clients um, where that happens. ATF usually won't come knocking on your door to arrest you. The feds generally, I mean, they'll take their time investigating you if they want to get you. Um, I've had calls recently where people have bought things that are in the gray area and they find out the company that made that item might be going out of business or in trouble with ATF. And so they get concerned or from, um, or from had, China. <laughs> yeah. I've had that happen where China was selling certain Glock parts that would make guns fully automatic. And oh, I remember got, that. Uh, yeah. Client got a letter. Yep. Client got a letter in the mail saying, turn it in. I had another guy whose attorney told him to plead out to some sort of uh, misdemeanor stemming from domestic violence, said he wouldn't lose his gun rights, which was not true. And then ATF showed up at his door when he tried to buy a gun. You're going to have to cooperate with them. You know, don't look at them and just be mean, right? Don't be um, crassed or uh, confrontational. Uh, yeah, that's the word. Thank you. Don't be confrontational. Be respectful. Say, I'm going to cooperate with your investigation. I'm going to, you know, um, make a statement, but I want to talk to my attorney first. Basically, you know, put them off until yeah. you have a chance to talk to counsel. Does that make sense? Kind of go back to the first question we had to keep your mouth, keep your pie hole closed. <laughs> right. Exactly. You say you, what I always tell people say, if the ATF shows you your door and say they want to talk, you say, I will absolutely talk to you to the best of my ability. But first, I just really need to talk to counsel. Yeah. And typically and they probably won't show up to your house without a warrant, will they? Um, sometimes they do actually, just to let you know that, Hey, you can't have guns. We saw you try to buy a gun. You need to get rid of those guns. That does happen from time to time. Not very frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes it does happen. Um, feds usually in my experience in this industry, don't show up with warrants all the time because they'll take their time to build that case. And then they'll show up with a warrant. You know, you usually will have some sort of forewarning that it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, without a warrant, time. you don't have to let them in your house or you have to it, talk to them or let them in your house. You can say, you can honestly just respond. Do you have a warrant? Then have a nice day. Right. Yeah. You're within your rights to do that unless you're an FFL, right? This is why it's really dangerous to get an FFL at your home because the ATF has the right to inspect your business premises. I think once in every 12 months, if I remember correctly, 
So if that's your home, that's your business premise, ah. right? So there's there's a there's a kind of a, a thought that you almost inadvertently waive your right against unlawful search and seizure without a warrant, right? Because now they can come into your business premise. So if if you make your home your FFL location, then they can come in anytime they want and search well, anything they once, want. Or well. I'd have to look at the law on that. I don't think that's the case. I think that they can inspect the business premises premise, premise for purposes surrounding the licensed activity yeah. is my guess. I, I haven't confirmed that. But it's not like they can go up to your back. the fact, once they get your in your door, anything else like you got going on there that's questionable, then that's under their scrutiny. Right. If you if if you got a big bowl of you know marijuana gummies on the, <laughs> the counter from Michigan, well, that's a problem, right? <laughs> so, Yeah. You have to keep that in mind. When people have like outbuildings, sometimes what we'll do is we'll tell them to run the business out of the outbuilding and we'll get a, a separate address for that outbuilding right. so that they're relegated to that. Yeah. I think that's going to be uh, some of the questions that we have here also is, um, you know, you talked about a gun trust earlier. Yeah. Um, I saw a couple of questions. I'll get to them in just a second. Let's see. Here's a red flag one. If the police show up with either a red flag or search warrant, do you have to open your safe? What is your advice? Well, it depends, right? I'm going to give you a lawyer answer. Uh, first off, every state has a different red flag law. So it depends on how the law was written. I don't know. We don't have a red flag in the state of Ohio. Um, if the warrant um, actually specifies that they're allowed in the safe, you got to let them in the safe or they're going to cut it open. Yeah. Right. By the way, gun safes are like a big tin can. You can get through them with this saw. They're not very difficult to hack into, just so you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the warrant can allow them to get it in that safe. If, but the warrant's got to specify. Um, so you have to read the warrant. It just depends on what the warrant reads. And what you should do is call an attorney right away if they show up at your door and get your attorney uh, involved right away. What is the best option if you do not have children to transfer your collection uh, to a third party slash friend in the event of your untimely passing? You know, I, I have this discussion with a lot of clients regarding trust, and, and this is what I always say. Um, if you have a, the type of collection or amalgamation, if it's not a collection, where you have enough guns where it's, it's a significant investment, like it's more than five guns or something like that, you should look at a trust because a trust keeps things out of probate. Right? They don't get locked up in the court system where greedy attorneys get their hands on them to sell them to pay for their fees and all this other stuff. Uh, and a trust can deal with the age issues on the beneficiaries and immediate distribution. Harder for creditors to find out about them. Not saying you're avoiding creditors. That's illegal, but it is more difficult for them to know about it. Um, so I honestly believe if you have any type of gun collection, a trust is the way to go, whether or not they're NFA. Our right. office offers all kinds of gun trusts. NFA, non-NFA, asset protection, we do it all. So what's your recommendation on an NFA item? I put it in a trust 100% because if you die with that gun in your individual name, it is very complicated getting it out of probate if you don't know what you're doing. Um, and a lot of attorneys don't know what they're doing. So they'll say, oh, that's just an AR-15, just go sell it, when in fact it's an SBR or an M16, right? Mm -hmm. And now you've just committed a federal crime. So an expediter. Right. And there's ways to actually expedite that transfer through probate. Um that that's, you know, just some, some tricks of the trade I've learned over the years that I won't necessarily tell you, but there is ways to get those processed, hopefully in a more efficient manner with ATF, if the court's requiring it to be done that way. Yeah. Uh, but you don't want those court, those guns to get locked up in probate in a trust. You can avoid that whole problem. And it's very expensive to hire an attorney to do it too. 
but you can still do trust. Those are still hundred percent, at least in, in my state, you can, in most states, I think you can, I mean, I think in all states you can put guns in a trust. There might be one state up in the Northeast where you can't do that. Brett Bedell has a question related to that. He said he created one a few years ago before the fingerprinting was required for all members. Mm -hmm. um, should I update now with info or other trustees, i.e. photos, fingerprints? I don't know if I really understand his question. So what he's referring to is Rule 41F that Obama got uh, passed by executive order, if you remember that. And what it required was all trustees on gun trust to get fingerprinted and photographed. It's also the rule that did away with Clio certification and changed it to notification where you just have to notify the sheriff. Um, so if he goes to buy another gun, all those trustees will have to get fingerprinted. You don't have to, uh, you know, go get fingerprinted if you add another trustee just by the, the act of adding the, another trustee. So I hope that gives him the information he's looking for. Maybe I think I what he was saying was that when he created his, the fingerprinting wasn't required. Right. So does that make him, uh, now that they've changed the law, does does that affect his? Is it grandfathered in? I no. guess. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't have to do anything. If he doesn't want to buy a new gun, he's fine. He doesn't have to get fingerprinted for the old guns. Those are fine. They're owned by the trust. He's good. But anything but new he, that he that's does. right. Okay, that's going, right. Going forward, uh, I guess you would. Yeah. Uh, and then if you carry an NFA item to the range, what sort of uh, papers should you carry? Identification or something like that. If it's held in a trust, I tell you to carry proof that a trust exists. We draft something called an affidavit of trust. It's a one-page document, and you should carry your Form 4 tax stamps or Form 1 tax stamps, as the case may be. Um, you know, it's an interesting question, too, on how you transport the item to the range. You have to look at your state law on whether or not you can transport an NFA item in a car, concealed, et cetera, et cetera. So that's something you're going to want to look into as well. Okay. Uh, and that was the next part of his question is if I get pulled over while traveling. Depends on the state law. I don't know what state he's in. Um, in Ohio, it's not. It doesn't fall under the purview of concealed carry licensing. So it's in my North opinion. North Carolina. Gotta, he's in North Carolina. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Um, it gets really funky though because in Ohio you can carry guns in a certain way in a car, but then it says we call NFA items dangerous ordinance. You cannot can carry concealed dangerous ordinance. So it begs the question: If I put it in the trunk of my car, is it concealed? And if it's concealed, am I violating state law? And if that's a violation of state law, how the hell do I get it to the range? Right. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth H. McGee, has there ever been a case filed against a presidential executive order banning firearms importation from other countries? And if not, how could a group <clears throat> or state go about that? I honestly don't know. That's yeah. something I'd have to look into. Um, how would they do that? I think the attorney general would be the best person to talk to to try to get other attorney generals on board to file some sort of lawsuit uh, regarding the executive order. It would be order. very difficult, I would think. It, it's, a it's a political issue more than yeah. anything, more than a legal issue. There's politics and optics there involved. There would be so much yeah. red tape and run around. Yeah. Yeah. You're unfrozen, by the way. Oh, I'm okay, great. Yeah. Yay. Uh, <laughs> let's take one more. Uh, okay. This is from Jerry Black. It says, we've seen advertisements for the USSCA and other companies for personal firearm insurance protection. What does your company offer that sets you apart? Mm. And I, th 
I'll let you answer. Well, we don't, we don't, we're, you know, look, we're not an insurance company. We're a traditional right. law firm. There's nothing funny about how we do business. We pay or we charge hourly. We charge flat rate depending on what the product is or what the, the service that we're rendering is. But we're a traditional law firm is all we are. There's nothing unique. You about are the us. people that the USSCA calls when they have a That's member right. that needs right. representation. <laughs> right. And in full disclosure, I used to serve on the legal advisory board of USCCA. Um, those products are good. I say, I will tell you that it, they work. Um, we had a client that used USCCA's product and we had a, a very large check mailed to us the day after he was charged with a crime. So they do oh, work. Wow. Um, you know, the thing to keep in mind too, your homeowner's insurance will usually have a line item that they'll reimburse for legal fees if you're charged with a crime and you win at court for self-defense reasons. So you can look at your homeowner's insurance too and see if there's a, a provision like that in there. But again, the big deal is you need the money up front for the lawyer and traditional insurance doesn't pay it up front. They pay it after the fact. Yeah. Right. So you want to really read the policy that you're purchasing and make sure it gives you what you want. And it's clear when it's activated that they can't get out of it. Kind of like that travel insurance we were talking about earlier. That's exactly right. I should have read the policy. But it was only $200. So Actually, whatever. one more. This, this is a good question. This is from Amy Hall. Uh, she has a podcast called Her Wild Outdoors. She's been on the show a couple of times. And she's been having some issues with some ammo. So it says... Okay. How do you deal with ammo companies giving you the runaround when their product ruins your gun? We have the proof that it was ammo, but they are uh, leading us on a wild goose chase. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a product's liability. Well, it, it, nobody was hurt, right? So um, she was, yeah. I mean, she wasn't like uh, maimed or anything like that, but she was. Mm -hmm. She was in. So, so was she had some medical damage. It was a shotgun, and it ex the ammo exploded. Basically. Okay. So the first question is, is what are the damages? What do you want out of the situation? Do you want a new gun? Do you want money? And then that, that determines how we proceed forward. If she is hurt and she wants her bills reimbursed and her gun replaced, um, she should hire a products liability attorney or a personal injury attorney, and they should send a demand letter to see if they can settle the case. And if they can't settle the case, that's a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. That's not something we do. We don't we don't um, get involved in those inner industry disputes. We try to stay out of that. So you're more rights type stuff. You're not to do with anything. We, we'll do a lot of the regulatory and the business, and we'll even um, defend companies from products liability lawsuits. Mm -hmm. But we will not sue. Uh, we will not. We're not a firm that is going to be ready to sue industry members. It's not something that we want to do necessarily. Yeah. So let's say I am involved in a, a shooting, a self-defense shooting. Is, mm -hmm. is that something that you guys handle? hundred uh, percent. Yeah. We, okay. we do that regularly. It's very infrequent, at least in Ohio. Um, you know, we have stand your ground as of April 6th in Ohio. Uh, we had castle doctrine before that. And, and then before that we amended our, our, our standard for self-defense law. So it's gotten a lot better in the last 10 years. And I just haven't seen a lot of self-defense shooting cases come across my desk. It just doesn't happen. Um, what mostly happens is people pulling guns that are charged with a crime when they shouldn't have pulled the gun. Mm -hmm. like that's normally brandishing what we kind see. of thing. It's some sort of brandishing crime. We don't, that's not a crime in Ohio, but aggravated menacing assault, felonious assault, disorderly conduct, any of those mm -hmm. types of crimes. Yeah. Gotcha. Did you did you happen to look at the post? Did you see any questions there that uh, that you wanted to field? No, not off the top of my head. Okay. Um, but I think like that I said, was the main if, ones right there. If you want to have me back, I have no problem. We can make it a regular thing or whatever Let's you like. Let's do, do it, uh, man. Absolutely. Yeah, just let me know. I'd love you can to do it every 
once a quarter or something. We'll just have a standing meeting or something. That's not a problem. So are, are you out of time? I really am. I got a judge that's going to call me here in about five minutes. Okay. I've got this thing that I do. It's called the new guy questions. Since this is your okay. first time on the show, uh, I want to hit you with those real quick. Um, and we talked about your military background, army. Okay. Um, any interesting stories there that you want to share as your time in the in the military? Not really. <laughs> hey, I'm thinking. Of one. I'm thinking for a second. Um, I know there's plenty of funny ones. I'm just trying to. Funny think ones of... are good. We like funny. We like funny. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Which we one had a soldier more... that would always sleep with tobacco in his mouth. I always thought that was kind of amusing. We also gave him, uh, we the the, um, the third country nationals. That's the PC term for them. Um, they would uh, they would sell drugs and pornography, all kinds of stuff side of the road. We were truck drivers, so we were out in the country. Yeah. And um, I think one soldier had bought um, what's the uh, the drug that helps you with marital relations? What do they call that? Um, what's the Viagra. Name <laughs> Viagra. So he bought Viagra and stuck it in this 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 soldier's soda, and he drank it. Oh. <laughs> Nice, <laughs> and he did it what it was supposed to do apparently <laughs> so, for hours yeah, and hours <laughs> yeah just soldiers being soldiers you know just joe's being joe's but um Good yeah times. i can't really think of anything else off the top of my head that stands out what is your earliest recollection of uh being exposed to a firearm or shooting a gun uh, when I went to my first gun show when I was 19 years old and purchased my first, uh, AR 15, which is my very first gun nice. during the, during the Clinton ban. My dad never taught me, took me to shoot. My dad and mom are Obama supporters, by the way. Um, bless their heart. So, <laughs> well, they taught me how to think for myself, which is why I'm a conservative. Yeah. Uh, actually a libertarian, I should say. Same but, thing with my parents. Yeah. In any event. Yeah. My I, mom uh, loves Biden. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my dad had an eight foot sign out front of his house oh. in, in, the, in the heart of Trump country where they live, by the way. Oh, good. Lord. Um, but anyways, yeah, they, uh, I went to a gun show and I, I bought an AR 15. That was, it was a, it was a Clinton ban AR 15. Do you still have that uh, AR 15? I saw, I saw, I got back from Iraq. I went to some culture shock and dealt with some PTSD type issues and I just got rid of all my guns. I didn't want to have anything to do with them for about a year. Yeah. I carried and slept with a gun for 14 months in a war zone. I didn't want anything to do with them. You're done with, well, yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. And you I came back around. I came back around. Re reestablish that collection. Good for you. I, I, well that, and then some, I, and honestly, those guns I had were, you know, I bought them in high school and in the college, they were cheaper guns, you know, sure. not, nothing I really wanted. Yeah, but still sentimental, there. you know, like your first AR, but yeah. I will say the AR, the first AR was an actual AR. It was a legitimate armor light. Oh, okay, nice. It was a. It was an That's OD green. That's one you definitely wished you had back. I'm I sure. wish I would have kept that gun. It was OD green, flat top. You know, it was back before they were making M4s. It was mm-hmm. 20 inch. You know, it was a great gun. Yeah, nice. When it comes to pop culture, what is your go-to? Whether it's uh, a movie, a book, uh, music, um, whatever it may be, just to kind of escape and, and get away. I watch The Office. You like The Office? Okay. Uh, I can most quote every episode. So yeah. uh, do you buy Jim being uh, Tom Clancy's uh, you know, hero for the uh, – yeah. uh, what's the – Yeah, he's a good actor. I think I think he's annoying in The Office, to be honest. I think he's smug and arrogant in The Office. Him and Pam, I can't stand them. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, they, all they do is complain and whine and bitch. They're like Kevin Arnold from The Wonder Years. That kid was annoying. Kevin Arnold, oh, my God. He was awful. I still watch that show too. He is so obnoxious and just, just you know. I met the guy who played his brother. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Um, uh, Wayne. 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 
I've met Wayne him a, actually yeah. a couple of times, and he's kind of a gun guy. I didn't know that. Yeah, but um, I do buy him in the Clancy show. I, he, I think he does a good job in that. What's the character's name? I can't remember because like and Clancy Ben Affleck's played him. Uh, Harrison um, Ford's played him. I can't remember. Chris Pine. Yeah, whatever that character. But it's a good yeah. show. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought he I think did. It's it. on Amazon, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then we got, um, are you familiar with Jack Carr? I may be, but it's not ringing a bell right now. So he's the the author of The Terminal List, True Believer, Savage Son. So he's got a book series kind of like Clancy's. Okay. That he's kind of new okay. on the scene. They're getting ready to do a TV, uh, an Amazon or whatever thing like, like that with his. That'll be pretty okay. good. That'll be pretty yeah, I'm not familiar with it. What's your favorite movie? Jurassic Park. For real? Like the original first Jurassic mm-hmm. Park? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, bar none, it's the best movie ever made. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> you I was feel really that strongly about it. I'm still into dinosaurs, honestly. I really like dinosaurs and history and stuff. So, yeah, I always, I always tell people that's the best movie ever made, bar none. It is a good that movie. Is great. Yeah, I, my my dog. I have a Brussels Griffin. You can look up the breed later. They have little beards, and uh, his name is Bill Murray. Bill Murray's one of my favorite <laughs> actors, and uh, my favorite movie of his is as uh, What About Bob? So I watch that a lot. Mine's too. Zombieland. Zombieland's good with him, yeah. with him in it. Uh, yeah, he's got a cameo in it. Yeah, the cameo, but That's he the makes movie. the movie. You know, yeah, he does. Yeah, absolutely, 100%, absolutely yeah. makes. It. And of course, yeah. Caddyshack. You can't, you know, you can't, can't deny yeah. him off the. Of I mean, Caddyshack. we don't have com- comedians like that anymore because they get canceled. Yeah, you know, it just you just can't. Comedy has suffered in, in at the altar of cultural PCness. Free it's speech, crazy. man. Free speech. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it drives me nuts. Probably why I gravitated to listen to Joe Rogan a lot lately. But yeah, um, I have uh, I have been listening to to Rogan quite a bit too. He's he's good. There, there's a new one, Clint Emerson. Uh, he's the author of 100 Deadly Skills. I just had him on last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's starting a new podcast. It's called Can You Survive This Podcast? <laughs> okay. It's actually it's been out for a while, but he's going to start hosting it, and uh, it's a really good podcast. So okay. check, check it out. Check it out. Can you survive yeah. this podcast? I'll check it out. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. It's, it's really good. So when it comes to, uh, your next gotta have, want to have, what's your next purchase? What are you going to, what are you getting? Farm, Gun? Farms related. Yeah. I have almost everything I really need. Um, needs not got a thing. It doesn't come into play. You know, um, <laughs> CZ came out with a Dan Wesson, um, hybrid yeah. uh the, the smaller one the i think it's dwx maybe mm-hmm. Does that sound right it's that got red right. on it and stuff yeah i really like that gun if i got a new hand i don't really have like an everyday carry gun that's a really nice like it's like wearing a rolex like you know what i mean like it's a nice high-end handgun um so that might be something i i've had my eye on but i don't know if i'd spend the money on it oh well, why wouldn't you come on yeah, I got other things. We just well, bought this, a farm, so this will be this will play into that. So this next question is: Laws be damned, money be damned. What would you buy? What would you own? Anything? 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 An island? Okay, so you just bought a farm, so you you'd rather have an island? I can do whatever I want on my island. But you do whatever you want on your farm too. <laughs> yeah, well, it's but you're around. There's other people around that can come on your easier to get on your property. If I have my own island. I could set up. You know, uh, defensive mechanisms. I can make it my own little country. I like your way of thinking. I like yeah, that. I could do whatever I want on that. There's a guy who did that off the coast of England somewhere. He bought an old like oil refinery outpost, and he sells um, he sells titles to people. You can go on his website and become like a lord or a duke. 
of this of this old it's like a platform and he made it into his own country check it out it's it's legit i'm not making it up he declared independence and he's got his own little country there that is awesome yeah it's weird so i'd have my own island i think that's probably what i'd buy that would be cool we've had a couple of people that that have said that and then when they talked about how they would set up the defensive Absolutely. You know, I bring tanks on the island. Mini gun turrets. You'd have yeah. your tank. There you go. Yep. I'd have tanks and all kinds of stuff. You, get so. your tank. you have a little a landing strip for your Air Force. Yeah. All right. Last question. Okay. If you could spend the day at the range with anyone, any group of people, fictional, real life, dead, bring somebody back from the dead, who would you like to spend the day at the range with? You. <laughs> That's a first. Yeah, no, you're, I like meeting new people on the range. Let's do it. Hell yeah, go shooting. I mean, I like shooting with everybody. It doesn't matter who. I don't care who you are, how important you are. I like teaching people, so I, you know, I'd probably say a new shooter would be probably one of my most enjoyable experiences. I like um, it. But I just shoot with you. We get to just get to know each other better. Oh well, so. hell yeah, I'm, I'm down. Well, let's make Anytime. that happen. We can make yeah. that happen. So. We'll do it. Let's do it. I got some machine guns. Let's go shooting. We'll definitely do it. Derek, it's been a pleasure having you on. I know you got to run. Thank you so much for taking the time. Again, give the Leadheads uh, all the places where they can uh, follow you, social media, websites, all that. Sure, munitionsgroup.com. And just type in munitions group to YouTube to find us there. There you go. So that does it for another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. Leadheads, make sure you go and support those that make this show possible, all of our sponsors. Mission First Tactical, Seal One, Nemo Arms, ASP USA, Factory 47, uh, 1776 United and Caltech, and show them all the love. Use those discount codes that we uh, give out quite frequently. Uh, and as always, keep your loved ones close and your guns closer. Did I get that right. And your firearms closer. Oh, closer. It's, yeah, it's, it's good enough. It's good enough. <laughs> I always say on my show, be safe and carry on. So. Um, be safe go. and carry on. Yeah, yeah. That kind of ties in. And, and make sure you keep Derek on your speed dial. Yeah, you can call me if you need anything or shoot me an email. When your 2A rights have been violated. <laughs>